They are going crazy. Welcome to the 13th night of the Touchdowns 2020 NFL Draft Show. On last night's show, we broke down our final positional group with Chase Young and the defensive line taking center stage. Tonight, we will look at some of the rumors surrounding this year's NFL Draft and break down what we think is for real and what is simply a smokescreen. With all of our positional groups now in the books, you can catch up with them all on the site at thetouchdown.co.uk as well as on our Twitter feed at the Touchdown NFL. Finally, if podcasts are more your thing, then you can also find an audio version of the show on the Touchdown feed at all major podcast providers. But getting back to tonight's show, back with us tonight is one of our newest writers, Tom Scott, who has been counting down the days until the draft by looking at what each team in the top 10 of the draft may do. How are you doing tonight, Tom? Yeah, not too bad, actually. The weather's been beautiful. Uh, been busy the last couple of days, but got the chance this afternoon to go for a lovely walk with the wife and the world was a for a moment, a, a lovelier place amidst all the all the panic that's going on. Yeah, it's all a bit strange at the moment. Just getting a little bit out of the house and having a little walk can be quite nice. Not something I've managed to do very much for some reason. I just seem to get stuck laying in the garden while the children run around me like a lunatic. Um, but also with us tonight is another of our NFL analysts and a member of our social media team, Thomas Willoughby. See, two Toms, nothing that can go wrong on this show, right? So... Um, Tom has wrote a fantastic article looking back at the 1972 NFL draft and the strangest draft pick probably ever seen during the draft. How are you doing, Tom? I'm good. Um, I'm very pleased with uh, the reaction to that going out today. Um, very positive on that end. Uh, and I treated myself by making pasta. So it's been a very productive uh, afternoon for me. No, no walks today. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm good. Thanks for asking. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, good, thank you. Sounds good, making pasta. I might have to do that at some point. I might have to teach the kids how to do that. That'd be good fun. Or, it's, worth, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, it's certainly worth it, but it's just a little bit time-consuming and a bit messy. Kids will love it. When, when, you say, when you say making pasta, you, you mean you didn't just cook like like hard, like dried pasta. You actually made it from scratch, right? <laughs> no, like gentle for like flour and eggs. Like with my own hands. Okay, just want to check. Just... <laughs> it's not that I don't believe you. It's not that I don't believe you. <laughs> right. Anyway, before we before we discuss pasta anymore, it's great to have you guys with us. Uh, so, uh, trying to avoid all confusion, if I uh, if I'm going to talk to Thomas Willoughby, I'm going to call him Willow, and uh, Tom Scott will be Tom. So, keep an ear out for how often that goes wrong tonight, guys. Right. Let's dive headfirst into these rumours. Then let's start at the top, and with it seeming as though the Bengals are going nowhere at number one, let's move down and continue the defensive line discussion from last night to some extent, with the news that the Redskins are fielding calls for that number two overall pick. With a loaded defensive line already and no second round pick, Willow, could you see the Redskins willing to give up Young to increase their draft capital? It would have to take a lot. Um, I, I think it, when, it, when it comes down to it, this is kind of similar to the situation that the Texans were in in 2014 it was like they, they were they were sort of the number one pick in the draft they already had a pretty decent defensive line but Jadavion Clowney was there um it's just a case of sort of strengthening a strength as it is uh, it, it would take a lot for them to move down and it feels to me as if um either they're trying to create a um Try try to create uh, some sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for interest in the position uh, rather than there being sort of an active look. There, there may be one or two teams that have 
possibly called them to see what it would take but I, I think it would take too much for it to be much more than just a an inquiry at this stage do you see it the same way tom um in a nutshell yeah i, I i'm not buying it i don't i don't think that the redskins will entertain um, an offer that isn't ridiculous and i don't think there's any team that's willing to make a ridiculous offer so the only way I could see it happening is if somebody like the Giants, the Lions or the Dolphins, someone like that are absolutely in love with Chase Young and think he is the best player by miles after Joe Burrow and want to go up and get him. So the Redskins aren't dropping down that far, but could potentially still pick up a second round pick if the price was high enough. Because honestly, I actually think if the Redskins had their op- 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 optimal choice without there being a clear gap for many between Young and Akuda. I actually think Akuda fits their needs more in terms of they've got a strong defensive line, as we've mentioned. So if there was a way they could drop down and still get someone like Isaiah Simmons or Jeff Akuda, I really think they would like that option to be on the table. But dropping any further just becomes dangerous. And then you start getting into the into which offensive tackle do you want? If you're not in the quarterback conversation, which it seems they're not, but there's been rumours of that as well. I just don't see what the benefit is when you've got a stud there. You've got some players that are a little bit older now in in Washington. So I think they just take Chase Young. I think they regenerate their defensive line and they do a bit like what the Texans did. The Texans made themselves a contender by stacking that defensive line. And that sort of launched them into contention before they really added Deshaun Watson and took that next step of contention. So... I, I don't see it myself, but I can see why they're they're at least entertaining offers and and leaking it to try and drive the price up, especially if there are teams in that top five or six that are trying to move up and get hold of Chase Young. Then by just letting it know that a few teams are calling, you might be able to get one of them to offer that second round pick, which would probably be enough if you still felt you could get one of those other defensive playmakers. But it, it's going to probably be a bit of a blank one and we should prefix all of this by saying last year there was so much talk of trade talk in the top five everybody was going to be moving around no one was happy with their draft slot and then nobody moved until the Steelers came up to pick 10 so I I think all of this has to be taken with a pinch of salt at the moment everybody's just trying to throw out smoke screens try and make someone give them a stupid offer that they can't turn down there's a lot there's a lot of things being said that aren't necessarily true And perhaps this year, a few more of them will be, which will be really fun to see. So we'll move down and we'll we'll, we'll talk about pick three. There's been a lot of talk about pick three throughout this offseason. Initially, everybody was coming up to get Tua. Then perhaps everybody was coming up to get Justin Herbert. And now the talk is that Miami might be coming up, not for a quarterback, but for an offensive tackle. Do you think that's true, Tom? Uh, It's something that I've considered for... For a while, I know I mentioned it on the on the offensive tackle pod um, last week. If you're going to move up to three and you take Tua, there remains the possibility that Wills is going to go at number four. I think the Giants would be right to take Simmons instead of a tackle. But if Miami do get themselves up to to the third pick, uh, this is bearing in mind they, they keep the fifth in the in in the meantime. If they get up to three and take two, there's a good chance Wills goes at four. If they get up to three and take Wills, if that is indeed the offensive tackle that they want to take, and for me it makes sense, if they take Wills at three, I think it's unlikely, um, not necessarily to the extreme, but it's highly unlikely that two is going to go at four. So 
your guy's going to be there at five. So if, if Miami can work some magic where they can get up to three and by some chance keep hold of the fifth uh, pick, I think it makes sense. What do you think, Willow? Do you think there's any way they can swing that, get get up to three without giving up five? I think it's going to be tough, isn't it? I mean, it would be tough. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, it, at the end of the day, if, if anyone's going to be able to do it, Miami have got the capital for it. Um, they've, they've got enough picks that they could probably put something something crazy together. Um, whether or not at that point the Lions are interested in moving from a top five pick down to, was it 19 and 26? Something like that. 18 and uh, 18, yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's another thing. But if anyone's going to be able to pull that sort of thing, move off, I think the Dolphins probably could. Um, I would, I mean, it's, it, 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 emotionally, I would say they would be best placed to avoid doing that and just trying to stack themselves up as best they can, um, especially if it means losing that fifth pick as well. I yeah, just <clears throat> just doing a quick calculation on that. If for the for the values to add up, bar most ta- as most tables have it, they would probably have to give up eighteen, twenty six, and potentially thirty nine to actually return value. And potentially, if they didn't want to give up 39, 18, 26, 56, and 70 would do it. But whew, that's a lot to give up to. Um, it is. But, but let's. Because Detroit are in need of a cornerback. So. Yeah. Go that way. Yeah, there, there is the option. It's definitely there. It'll be really interesting if they can do that. It might also be that they're willing to give up five if they think that Tua could slide. If, if this, if all of this injury stuff is true, they could. Now, the offensive tackle I've read and heard has been Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, which is really interesting. And Ian Rappaport tweeted yesterday that Andrew Thomas was the name he was hearing as the most likely to be a... Um, was the most underrated by the media who could be the first tackle, if that makes sense. Many people are saying that somebody's going to go and get him because they love him. And I, I actually like your theory better on it, Tom, is to try and pair Jedrick Wills with um, with Tua, whereas Thomas, and then you're looking at Jordan Love, but then all of last college season, we heard that Miami weren't even tanking for Tua. They were tanking to get Jordan Love. I can't off the top of my head think of a little thing that works for that, but it's it's a really strange one. I still think that Tua is the Dolphins guy. I can't believe we've had all of this for the last year and they're then not going to do it. But I just think they've they've been given so much good grace by their fans in what they've had to deal with over the last year of trading away picks. If they do this for an offensive tackle, I do think it's going to turn a lot of fans off this rebuild and it's going to put them under a lot more pressure to perform immediately. Whereas... If they take Tua, people are going to be accepting of the fact that next year might be tough as they bed Tua in, as they get him back to full health. It, it's a really hard sell, and I know they can't do what, what the fans want, but it's so difficult to, to see where an offensive tackle, which have not, not been locks in the top five picks in the past to be, go on and be success, and I know quarterbacks aren't either, but if you nail your offensive tackle on the left side, are you setting yourself up in the same way that you're setting yourself up if you nail quarterback? Possibly not. 
and this offensive tackle class is seemingly a lot of people think incredibly deep so they they will have the opportunity to get decent tackles at the back end of the first round and that seems the more logical route but logic doesn't always work inside buildings the same way it works outside so we'll definitely see and and what they do might make a big difference to what the giants then do at four so willow what are the options for you for the giants at four and which one do you think is the most likely in your opinion um I, I, I feel like the Giants are, are most likely to look at bolstering the offensive line simply because of the Daniel Jones pick last season. It's quite an investment to move on from your long-term um, sort of starter for a, <clears throat> sort of a, 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 let's be fair, fairly unrated uh, rookie. Um, you, you've got to give him every opportunity, opportunity to succeed. And... <sighs> I mean, with the offensive line that they had last season, he's not going to be given that opportunity of like, what, 38 times um, and fumbled it more than anyone in the league. So he needs the every opportunity to sort of stay upright. Um, I've got uh, a few sort of Giants mates who are absolutely um, begging for uh, a, uh, a anyone on the defence. Um, but I, I feel like it's going to be an offensive tackle. And it's... I... I, I, I I'm... I'm struggle to give you a name um but certainly that would be where i would look uh, if i were in that in that position realistically if i were the giants if I, and, and then they want to play it smart i'd probably look at trading down and uh try, trying to stack up as best you can yeah and we'll talk through a possible scenario that steve outlined um and see what you guys think of that but i agree with you if if it depends how attached you are to offensive tackles we all look at it and say well these three are all very good but do NFL teams fall in love at the top end of drafts? Absolutely. Should they? Probably not. Um, but everyone has a favourite based on their scheme, what they've seen, um, and and personalities as well. As much as we haven't, they haven't had the same interaction with these guys, they will have got to know their personalities through the combine and things like that. So there is all of that to factor in. And if the Giants really are indifferent on the three, then absolutely they should look to move down and try and pick up more picks, even if they don't get an offensive tackle then in the top 10 and they just pick up a pick from, say, the Jags at 20, for example, and get an offensive tackle there, like a Josh Jones, if he's still there, someone like that. Which way do you think they're going to go, Tom, um, with your cross-city rivals being a Jets fan? I went in the uh, 10-in-10 series of articles for Isaiah Simmons. I just think he's too good to pass up on um, as a player. Um, I, I, I agree with your point regarding the offensive tackles. It's probably the safe, smart choice to go with a tackle there, particularly if you if you really like one. But smart and safe isn't the Dave Gettleman way. Dave Gettleman is sexy and risky. And that's why I think he'll go for Simmons. Yeah, I completely agree. Everyone points to um, everybody points to Gettleman as being this guy that likes to build the trenches. But then we saw him take Saquon Barkley the other year at, um, at a premium and, and pay for that. So the Giants have done things like that before, and they're willing to do things like that. They took Daniel Jones last year, and they could have arguably chased some more guys in the trenches at that pick. So I think they do want the sexy pick. I personally think it'll be Isaiah Simmons I mocked him there I think he's the most talented player and I don't think there's anybody else in this draft like Isaiah Simmons I think if you can get Austin Jackson and someone like that coached up at the top end of the second round you can potentially have 
a good offensive tackle on your hands. I don't think you can make anybody play like Isaiah Simmons in the second or third round. And passing up a guy that some people have, including our own producer Alex at the top of his board, um, to take an offensive tackle, which, as I keep saying, have we've seen mixed success from these guys from can't miss offensive tackle prospects. I, I just think that's the way to go. I, I can see the offensive tackle route. I can see the trade down route. I would go Isaiah Simmons personally, and I think that's what they should do on, on draft night. I, I just worry that they might get carried away and go with the offensive tackle. But maybe Miami jump them, take the guy they liked, and then their hand is forced and they take Isaiah Simmons. That would be kind of a nice way for them to end up with a great player without having to make the gamble. They could come out and say, oh, we really liked Andrew Thomas, but the Miami jumped us and took him. So we took Isaiah Simmons because he was the second best player on our board. You can kind of come out and say that and save a little bit of face. Now people will say, why didn't you jump up a spot and get him? But it is what it is. So I think if you're happy with either of them, that's the way I'd play it and almost hope that Miami or Detroit make the decision for you. So we talked about the Giants potentially trading down and Steve floated this idea of um, Yannick Ngokwe being traded with the ninth overall pick to send the fourth overall pick to Jacksonville. So do you guys see Yannick Ngokwe getting traded this weekend? And do you think there is a scenario where he could end up in New York, Tom? Ooh, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I, I agree with the point that was made about how after Chase Young, you, you're really not taking a player of Ngokwe's ability at, at this point. But he's done himself no favours in terms of his draft stock this this week. But it'd be really interesting to see where where he does end up. I think Jacksonville are desperate to get draft capital in return for him. Um, I think he's desperate to, to either go before the draft or to get cut. I just think he wants out. But I think the way he's gone about it has, has hurt his draft stock. And that might play into the Giants' hand. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. If I'm a rebuilding team, I probably want the second round pick that would make up the value difference between nine and four instead of instead of Yannick Ngokwe, who I've got to pay a lot of money to. I, I don't buy into that from, from Steve's angle. If I'm a rebuilding team, I don't want to pay Yannick Ngokwe a lot of money. So I'd go that way. What do you see, Willow? Do you see it similar to to us? Yeah, no, I mean, the first thing I uh, I thought of when um, that was kind of brought up is that, that, that's, that's a pure Madden trade right there. Like that, That's the sort of trade that you make when you've had a, a pretty rubbish um, sort of season on Madden. You've got a guy who wants to be paid that you're just not interested in. And it's one that the, the computer will always accept. Uh, unfortunately, um, neither teams are uh, computer controlled. Um, I, I mean, I... I I've got a note, literally a line written for, for this, which is he will be traded. Don't know when, I uh, don't know to who. So sorry, I can't be much more help than that. Um, in terms of what you've, uh, <laughs> in terms of what you've suggested, I can't see that scenario playing out. Um, although we would certainly sort of help that uh, New York Giants team. Um, I, if he's going to go, I think it's going to be over the summer as opposed to over the next weekend yeah I think it's tough I don't think that the Jags are going to accept well I don't know maybe they will accept a high second we really don't know what the Jags want for Ngokwe we don't know what's been offered we don't know whether they're even going to do it or whether they just how that 
fed up with him now. They want to almost torture him for a year and just let him sit on the shelf, which would be a bit stupid. But I can, we've seen it before with uh, Le'Veon Bell, where the Steelers just weren't willing to, just didn't let him go and just kept hold of him because no one was willing to meet their asking price, which the whole thing is just going to get out of hand. And you're, you're right. At some point, I feel like they are going to have to go move him. And the later they leave it, the worse it's going to get. And perhaps this is the best option they'll have on the table. I just don't know from the Giants' point of view if it's the right thing to do. I think Dave Gettleman gets hammered routinely on social media. If this happens draft night, I think the knives are out no matter how well he nails the draft because giving up the draft capital that he would be to get a player that needs to be paid is just, it, it doesn't seem to make sound financial strength uh, sense. If the Giants were, had had a bad season last year and are actually just one or two players away from a run to the Super Bowl, then absolutely go and do it and get Ngakwe on a short-term contract. Do the, do the Jags and the Rams theory of get as many high-paid players as you can and put them together and see if it hits. It hasn't hit for those two teams, but you've got to take the gamble to try and win the Super Bowl. I completely back that plan. Even when it doesn't work, you've got, you've got to go for it because otherwise you're just constantly settling to be the fifth or sixth best team in the league, which is just silly. You've got to, you've got to push your chips in at some point, but the giants aren't there by the time they're contending Ngokwe is probably going to be through the guaranteed money on his contract in two or three years time. And he's possibly going to be making a fuss in New York that he wants a new contract and threatening to hold out by which point you've paid a guy to get nothing from him. You've won a few more games. Brilliant. You've cost yourself more draft capital and some better players. So to me, it doesn't make long-term sense. I, I can see the theory, but I'd avoid it. And we know the Giants are willing to move away from troublesome players. So would they be willing to bring one in? And they moved away from a troublesome player last offseason in Odell Beckham. They were quite happy to ship him out. And now, less than a year later, we're hearing that Cleveland might be willing to ship him out. So we've heard uh, floated that he could go to Minnesota for a second round and a fifth round pick. We've heard some other rumblings that other teams are involved in talking to Odell Beckham or talking to the Browns about Odell Beckham. Do you see him potentially being traded this weekend, Willow? Or do you think it's another situation where we might see this later in the off season? And if so, do you think they'll get a first round pick for him, the Browns? I don't, I don't think it'll be this weekend. Um, if it happens at all, I think it's going to, it's another case of it. If it's going to happen, it'll be over the summer. And I'm not sure they're going to get a first-round pick for him. Make no mistake, Odell Beckham is still a top player. Um, and even last season, although it was pretty down by his standards, it was still over 1,000 yards. Um, I'm not too sure what um, he his his price would be, um, sort of un- unfortunately. But what I will say is who, who, if, if it is the Vikings who get him, I would be confident in saying that puts them near if not the top of the nfc pile um i, I think I, th- I think odell beckham's fantastic i just think that a, a combination of the 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 perceived attitude that he has as well as the fact that cleveland would be quote unquote willing to move on from him after a season might hurt what they can potentially get from that initial investment um but Again, if it, 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 I, I, I would be shocked if it happens this weekend, as, as with Ngakwe. I think, I think it's probably something that would happen over the summer, if not heading into whatever the pre-season situation is. I'm not really confident in saying what that's going to look like at this moment. Um, yeah. 
So I'd like to float one option out there, and this is a bit different. If San Francisco get somebody at 13 who is not a wide receiver and say Javon Kinlaw is there and he's their dream pick there, for example, could they be tempted then to part with number 31? They're, they're making a push for, to win the Super Bowl. Again, without looking at the cap and all of that kind of stuff, would that make sense for both sides? The Would it make sense for the 49ers with that 31st overall pick where there's unlikely to be a, a, a sure-fire wide receiving option on the board, but they could potentially get a number one receiver to be their deep threat? Tom, do, do you see that as a potential option, or do you think I've just plucked that one out of thin air? Um, it depends. It's it's. I hadn't really thought about about San Francisco until until you mentioned it. I think a lot depends on how the board looks at thirteen because if you've got those top three receivers sitting at thirteen, I think it could well be worth risking taking a Jerry Judy or a CD Lamb in the hope that they do become what they are projected to become. I think the issue with Odell Beckham is twofold. First of all, the money it's going to cost you in in his current Browns contract. But also the the, the second thing is that's now two teams where he has either found himself unhappy or the franchise has found themselves unhappy with him. Um, And they do say third time's a charm. So there's the issue there. It it really depends on on where the board is. I think it's, it's a similar situation for Minnesota. Would you would you not with having twenty two and twenty five be best off using one of those maybe on a on a Justin Jefferson if he's there or a Denzel Mims and 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 take the risk that way? Yeah, it's it's really tough to know what to do around those picks. What's more valuable, um, the fifth or sixth wide receiver potentially off the board, or the fourth or fifth, or um. Or, or a tight guy like Odell Beckham. Now, I also think the San Fran complication you throw in, you've got Devo Samuel, you've got Kendrick Bourne, you've got George Kittle, you've got a relatively, he's experienced in terms of years in the league, but in terms of starts, he is a relatively inexperienced quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, who he's still got a lot of question marks around him. And you now are chucking in a big alpha personality that could really upset the balance of your locker room and Kyle Shanahan's going to do what Kyle Shanahan does. He's not going to feed a guy because that guy wants the ball and is stamping his feet. So it's really difficult to know if that would be the way. The other option is, and this is very Vegas, would be for the Raiders to give up one of their two picks for Odell Beckham. But again, I think at 12, their best option is to go for one of those wide receivers, which negates that. So again, it might be one of those things that Willow's right. We see it slip into into the summer. We see a next year pick because teams always seem more willing to give up a next year pick because it just seems that little bit further away. Can I just ben, can add, I introduce uh, some? Sorry, Willow, go. you go ahead. No, I was going to say, can I can I just uh, to to humour your suggestion of uh, Odar Beckham as a 49er, please. That would be incredible. The, the, the football that um, Odell Beckham could produce under Kyle Shanahan would be otherworldly. Having seen what he did with uh, Julio Jones, that I want that now. Do that. That would be, that would be amazing. <laughs> what were you going to say? Other, my, other suge- my other suggestion is far more chaotic, and you'll have to let me know if um, cap space 
uh, will play a role here. But how about the New England Patriots give up number 23 for Odell Beckham Jr.? They take the will-they-won't-they-take-a-quarterback out of the equation by, by giving up the first-round pick for him. And then they turn around to, to maybe a Jameis Winston and say, two-year contract. And you've got one of the wildest gunslingers in the league and Odell Beckham Jr. You've solved two issues quite swiftly there, but I'm not quite sure how it would work out in terms of cap. Not easily without a few people being moved on from, let's put it that way, without getting too too technical, they would need to uh, free up some cap space, but teams are magicians at doing that. So it's not out of the question. And I have always said as a New England Patriots fan, if we're going to be bad, let's be fun and bad. So that would be fun and bad, but I, I don't see Odell Beckham being a Bill Belichick guy. I see that ending in tears very fast. Um, so I'm going to come back to you, Tom. He did. Now... He did. Yeah, go on. Go on then. I was go just ahead. about to say... I was just about to say he did have Antonio Brown on his uh, roster last year, so you never know. I'm not sure that was entirely his decision. I think that was one that was uh, pushed upon him for the harmony, let's say, of the of the Tom Brady, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, uh, <laughs> what became a, a truce, I would almost say, towards the end there of, of everybody. I think Tom wanted him and... Robert Kraft said, you're going to have him. And Bill Belichick said, well, go on then, he's pretty good. I don't think he wanted him. I, I, I know not many things happen in New England that Bill Belichick doesn't want, but perhaps he decided that gambling it was the lesser of two evils. But you may be right. Maybe he's willing. He has been willing to take a chance on troubled personalities in the past. I just don't know if the look at me type personality is one that they want in New England. And I'm not sure Odo Beckham's going to change. So it, it, it's not out of the question, but it's certainly not. Not something that I think will happen, but like I say, I'd be very entertained to watch the Patriots every week. We could go two and fourteen, but if if Jameis and Odell were doing all their antics on the field each week, at least it would be quite funny. So we'll stay in the AFC East and roughly around New York, where we've been talking about already, and we'll talk about the Jets now. And this will they won't they trade Jamal Adams has been going on now for over a year, so. What do you think, Tom? Do you think he's going? They've come out and said he's he's not, but you're not so convinced. No, I'm not. I'm not convinced at all. Um, I think uh, publicly Jamal Adams has done a decent enough job of not being a Yannick Ngakwe type of player in terms of demanding a move, but I think in his head he's checked out. And to be honest, he is by far and away the best player on the Jets roster. You could make the case that he's, he's the best safety in the league. Um, he's far more than a safety. If you want to see a total Jamal Adams game, watch the tape from the Giants matchup last year. He was, without a doubt, the best player on the pitch. He ate Saquon Barkley alive. He embarrassed uh, Daniel Jones. He was incredible. And a big part of that win for the Jets was, was his performance. I think he wants out, but... I don't think he wants to publicly be seen as as a bad influence. He is a great leader with a fantastic character. He's without a doubt the captain of of of, of the D for the Jets. The only issue for me at the minute is if he wants out, he needs to go. And with the Jets roster in a situation as it is, it needs to happen before tomorrow night. The only team that made any serious inquiries last year was the Cowboys. I don't think the Cowboys have the the cap space to pay Jamal Adams what he wants in 12 months' time. 
So I think the issue is that that he wants to go. I think the Jets' perspective is that they don't want him to go, but if it does happen, they want it to happen now so that they can get some picks in um, tomorrow night. But the the team that's that's most um, that's shown most interest in him can't afford it. That's that's the issue that we've got. Yeah, bearing in mind that they need to pay Dak Prescott potentially next year as well. They've got at the moment, as it stands, 37 million in cap space. But when you put Prescott's contract under that, you're, you're getting a bit tighter. Um, the only other one I could just see feasibly working and their cap space clears out massively next year because all of the big dead money goes off goes off their off their cap this year with they've got 37 million in dead cap this year and all of that is clear next next year is the Jacksonville Jaguars because they need a kind of um a centerpiece to that defense a franchise owner and somebody that's going to be a leader by example because that locker room has had its share of problems and they've got two picks in the first round and we've heard all the talk about this safety class it's not great um, in terms of it's been sliding up and down the boards, people aren't convinced by any of them 100%. So, what would you say, Tom, to 20 for Jamal Adams? Would you would you think that's the right value given his current contract situation, or do you think that's still a little bit high for the Jets to be dreaming? But perhaps what they need they need to actually do the deal. Um, well, the Jets wanted multiple first round picks when Dallas made the request during the season at the trade deadline. They're never going to get that. Um, I've written down that the minimum that I would want would be a first round this year and then a second and a fourth, or if we're lucky, a second and a third in the next two drafts. So I'd, I'd probably want the number 20 this year, but I'd want some, some maybe a third this year, maybe even try and see if we can get something else in 2021. Um I don't think Jacksonville would, would, would say that's good value, but I think that's that's got to be your opening offer. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if they, if they would be willing to do that and to replace some sort of questionable character guys with a guy that you you see as a very high character leader. That would be an interesting way to go at 20. And again, it might even be a pick that you see kind of a, a trade that you see happen in the moment to some extent because the Jets, will be having these conversations with teams. If Jacksonville are interested, they will have they they will have floated that pick as a potential option, but maybe the Jags want to wait and see who's on the board at twenty before they make that decision. So it might be one we see happen while the Jags are on the clock. It would it would definitely be interesting to me. He's a he's a great player. He's someone I'd love to see come over here next year for the international series because he is such a player on defence to watch that you don't get that much when you're watching defensive players in the stadium there's not often you think on this play I'm going to watch this guy on defence Aaron Donald was here last year he was definitely one of them but it'll be great to have um, Jamal Adams over here do you see the potential of him being traded Willow or do you not really think that it's going to happen you don't think the pieces can fall into place Again, a few notes on this one. <clears throat> yeah, three bullet points. Um, surely not. Probably will. Don't move if they do. Um, it's <laughs> he, he's a, a really, really good player. Um, I do like your idea of him um, possibly in a as a as a as a Jaguar. I think that does make sense. Although, how far along are they realistically? Where you could say getting him in. I mean, getting him in would exponentially improve their defense, but. 
um, it seems like they're willing to take a few years to try and piece it together as opposed to put it all together in one off season. It feels like the sort of move that if it well, it feels like the sort of trade that will happen eventually. Um, I, I do agree with with Tom in that he's done exceptionally well to kind of keep his head down and try and keep the uh, the, the fans on side at least. But it, it is also a situation where you kind of think he doesn't really want to be there. Um, and if the opportunity came, I'm sure he'd be delighted to uh, to, to move on. Um, but I think I think. I think this is one, again, it's going to be quite boring for me to say this, I'm sorry, but um, probably one that happens down the line as opposed to over the weekend, um, which is, is becoming a, re- a recurring theme in my analysis. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you're combining, I suppose, to Minka Fitzpatrick, who got a first-round pick with three years left on the deal, um, which is kind of an interesting comp for him because they've got a lot of similarities in the way they're seen by their franchises so it'll be interesting to see whether they can demand that level for him um they gave up a 2021st a 2025th and a 2021 sixth round pick the Pittsburgh Steelers did and they got some picks back as well as Minka Fitzpatrick so that would actually work for me if 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 they, the Jets could work out a way to get that 20 pick even without anything else or just a couple of minor pieces I think that would be kind of the ideal one for me on both sides of that I'd be quite happy on both sides but I think you've, you've made a good point there Tom that uh, Willow sorry that they are uh, they're perhaps too far away unless they're going to give him a four or five year contract and really sew him up but if Minshew looks good this year, then perhaps that timeline accelerates and Jamal Adams could be part of accelerating that timeline. They could build around the defense again next offseason if they think they've got, if they take a receiver early or an offensive tackle, they've got some other good pieces on that offense. They could then go defense next year and really build up around Adams. I'm talking myself into it more and more, so I think we should move on. Um We've already talked about the 49ers potentially trading for Odell Beckham, but there have also been some talk that they've been in the market for Evan Ingram. And the reason I wanted to bring this up now is because some people had talked about pick 13 potentially being on the table for Evan Ingram. Now, to me, for somebody with Ingram's injury history and the way his play has been sporadic on the field, the 13th pick seems too much. I think if they're going to give up a first round pick, it's possibly going to be 31st unless they can swing some kind of deal with the Giants where it's like the 13th pick for Evan Ingram plus some some other sort of pick swaps going on in there because the 49ers don't have a pick between 31 and this is telling you how far it is the fact that I can't see it currently um I don't think they have a pick until the fourth round it looks like so um they're, they're a long way down the board in terms of making another pick. So they might be looking to swing themselves up into the second or third round by using the, the one of those first round picks to get someone like Evan Ingram. Can you see it, Willow? Or do you just think with George Kittle, that's just a luxury and that's just a rumour that maybe the Giants have floated out there to try and see if there's any interest in Ingram anywhere else? I, I can't see that one. Um, partially because of the uh, the George Kittle situation, but also... The, the, the Giants are um, bereft of receiving options as it is. Um, 
and I think they would be foolish to uh, to kind of move on. They they would really be throwing that kid Jones under the under the bus if they did. Um, although the Forty ers do need some some help in in receiving department, and whether or not that comes from a tight end or another uh, wide receiver is, I mean, ultimately that's down to the the coaching staff. But it's it's a it's a trade too far for me. I, I can't see that one sort of materializing in any in, in any form. Um, this is the one that happens. This is the one that gets uh, put on old takes, uh, exposed or whatever. Um, I, I can't see it. That, 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 for, for me, that that's just a that's that's a nothing. Yeah, it's fair enough. I I, I kind of agree that it, it's it's a real luxury pick when I think there are bigger needs or not not even needs but better holes to fill. If that makes sense, they'd be better off investing in uh, some more defensive help, um, better off investing in a, in a real down-the-field receiving playmaker type player. Um, just to clarify, the San Francisco 49ers pick at 13, 31, and then not again till 156. So they actually could potentially take all of day two off and even have a little sleep through the start of day three if they forget to set their alarm clocks. So um, it's going to be a long wait for the 49ers unless they can do something to move around the board and add someone in. Um, Tom, do you see it, or do you are you the same as Willow? It's just it's just a bit of a rumor that kind of needs to be squashed. Yeah, the longer the longer I've seen it, um, the more opinionated I've got. Actually, my first note that I wrote underneath 49ers trade for Engram is meh, and then after that, I started to get a bit more passionate. Um, I think it's a it's it's an absolute luxury. I mean, a first round pick for doubtless a talented player, but a player with significant injuries, certainly in the last in the last year. And you're not you're not picking up a, a backup tight end there. You're picking up a second uh, tight end number one. And that that first round pick could be used in in a in a lot um, more efficient way than on Evan Engram. It's it's a big no no for me. Yeah, I think we're all in consensus that it's not the best use of those two picks. I think they do want to move around the board, potentially add a day two pick somewhere, but it's not just going to... It's just not the right way to do it with Ingram, really, unless the Giants are giving him away on the cheap, which I completely can't see. So I think we move on from that one, and we we drop down now to pick 15 with the Denver Broncos. Um, A lot of talk of them moving up for a receiver. I've heard talk of Jerry Judy. I've heard talk of Henry Ruggs. The only one I haven't heard talk of is, is C.D. Lamb, Tom. Um, do you see them moving up? And if so, do you have a receiver that they might be targeting? Yeah, I think the Jerry Judy uh, thing is a smokescreen. I'm trying not to pay too much attention to rumours um, this week uh, unless it's, it's confirmed news. Um, to the extent where the Gronkowski news yesterday, I didn't believe it until until it was confirmed. I think that the, the Judy news for the Broncos is to put other teams off the scent that they want Henry Rugg. Um, from a Jets fan perspective, the two teams that I've seen as potentially teams to come up for that number 11 pick is Denver at 11, if there is a run on the wide receivers, or Atlanta, if they feel like Caleb on chase on won't fall to them at 16. Um, for me, I don't think Denver will be coming up for anybody but rugs and that's only in a situation where the other two receivers are off the board and they know that Oakland uh, are, are in the market for one 
Yeah, absolutely. And if they think the Jets are as well, then they could get left looking at the third one, which is going to be going to be a little bit problematic for them. Um, the only thing we should just clarify is there has been that the rumours about Jerry Judy's knee, which people have been putting out there seems as the rumour kind of started being circulated by Philadelphia reporters that I saw, that it's just Philly reporters having been fed lines by the Philly team to try and get Judy to drop to 21, which obviously would be a dream. But we even spoke the other day, if, if they start to drop, then Philly will probably come up into these spots around the middle of this of the teens to try and get one of those receivers and they'd be willing to pay for it. So that's definitely something to watch as well. If one of these receivers does start to drop through, through pick 14 and 15 is, is where other teams start to move. Um, I'm going to skip straight to the next one with you, Willow, because it's the Atlanta Falcons. You, well, you're Atlanta Falcons, so to speak, not that you own them, but uh, you're your beloved Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lots of talk about them potentially trading up as well. Do you see it and who do you think it will be? And are you happy with it or do you think they should stay stay pat and see what happens? Right. I am extremely confident in saying that of, of all of the rumours uh, going around, this is one that is absolutely nailed on, be it into the top 10, be it even a couple of picks. I, I, I am I, I am putting my... I am I'm nailing my my cell to the mast and saying that the Falcons are trading up, um, and I'm it it, it it shouldn't even be a surprise. Um, Thomas Dimitrov uh, has been so aggressive over the last I mean since he came in, he's he's traded up into or within the first round like five times. He traded everything to get Julio Jones in 2011, and I mean again rumors are rumors, but there are enough. Um, sort of circulating and have been enough over the last um, even two, two or three weeks to, for me to be convinced that at, the Falcons are going to be moving up at some point. Um, Ian Rappaport said yesterday that conversations have taken place to move well into the top 10, which isn't sort of like Jacksonville at nine. That, that's, I mean, realistically, we're potentially talking Lions, Giants, Chargers even. Um, and if that happens, it could be it could cost a lot. Um, now, obviously, the, the Falcons last season were bad, um, for, for lack of a better word. Um, but they kind of pulled it around at the end, and they did enough. Uh, Dimitrov and Quinn did enough to save their jobs. They are going all in to keep their jobs this season, um, and it's gonna be a defensive player. Um, the, the names I've got written down, I know, I know Chase Young is a, is a, is a pipe dream. I've got, I've got Simmons, Akuda, Kinlaw, or possibly even Henderson based on some of the uh, um, sort of the rumours floating around. But I am absolutely convinced that the Falcons are moving up and they're, they're going to give me an early night for it as well. And I can, I can only thank them for that. I love that. That's great. Um, so an option I can see is potentially, we talked about the San Francisco 49ers moving back if, if the board doesn't fall how they want or it falls exactly how they want and they know they can get their guy potentially still at 16. They, Atlanta could give up a first and a third potentially to go there. That wouldn't be too bad. Um, to jump all the way up into the bottom of the top 10 is probably going to be a first and a second of some sort. And to go all the way up, you're probably looking at two firsts. So that'll be really interesting to see whether they're willing to go right up to three, for example, and get potentially have to get Jeff Okuda there would be the name you would surely be thinking it would be 
ludicrous to go all the way up there and take CJ Henderson unless you honestly believe that he's the best and Detroit also think he's the best. Because if not, you just go up and get him from the New York Giants or anyone else that's looking to move down in the first round. So it'll be really, really interesting, especially if the Giants are entertaining trade-back talks and are looking to bolster next year, then they could even potentially be willing to move out of four all the way down to 16, still get a decent player, maybe not a top-end defensive tackle, maybe a Josh Jones is on the, on the, on the table there. And uh, Atlanta could come up, give up a first-round pick next year and get Simmons or Henderson or, like you say, Kinlaw. So I think you'll get a good impression of who they're going to take depending on where they jump, absolutely. I think if they jump into the top five, it's it's a Simmons or an Akuda type guy. If it's into the sort of top 10, it's a Henderson-Kinlaw. And if it's only up a couple of picks, then it's just going to really depend on who's falling. But it could be any either of those two guys I just named. So there's lots of options on the, on the board for the Atlanta Falcons and they never make it boring. And you can say that the Julio Jones pick paid off in droves. So why not, if you think you've you've got the right pick and you're saving your job, absolutely go for it. So I really like that. I think it could be a lot of fun. I, I think you're either going to be absolutely depressed on Friday morning, Willow, with the result of that trade or uh, bouncing off the walls. And I can't wait to see which one it's going to be, quite frankly. Um We'll finish with a bit of talk about quarterbacks because, honestly, we haven't really talked about quarterbacks that much other than Miami potentially skipping over them. Um, we'll start with the obvious ones of do you do you see anybody, Tom, moving up and getting to uh, or Herbert in the top 10? Do you see anybody outside the top 10, like a Vegas, potentially jumping up? Or do you really think it's a case of Miami the Chargers in that top 10 and then if not it might even be Miami coming up later to get the other one what, what do you kind of see with those two yeah um I have a plan for Las Vegas that you'll have to remind me to mention later on when we come to uh backup quarterbacks looking for a new home um it's definitely silly season in the NFL and the silliest is the conversation about quarterback anyone sort of entertaining the notion that Miami have fallen out of love with Tua, just sort of seems to go against two, three years of Miami following this guy's career. And I just don't see any good reason why at this point they would go for Justin Herbert. Um, m- my opinion is that Tua will go to Miami, whether that be at two, three or five. I think Herbert will slide down the board a little bit. We might see a team come up into the middle of the round to get him before he falls as far as the Patriots. Um, even if a team does jump ahead of the Patriots, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Jordan Love go there at 23. Um, so, so for me, Burrow and Tua in, in, in the top five picks, Herbert in the mid first round, if a t- particularly if a team comes up, and maybe Jordan Love at the end of the round. But a lot of the conversation about, particularly about Miami and Herbert, I, I just can't see it. Absolutely. And I was going to ask you, Willow, quickly, what do you think about Jordan Love? Do you think we'll see him picked on day one? And do you think a team will come up for him? Or do you, similarly to Tom, think that it could be a New England Patriots pick? I'm I'm unsure on that, but we've seen them do stuff like that in the past. But then again, I convinced myself they were going to draft Lamar Jackson only to see Sonny Michelle get picked, which I fully understood, but didn't make me feel any better. Um what do you what do you think, Willow? Do you, do you see somebody 
banking on Jordan Love at the back end of day one? And do you think it's going to come via trade or somebody already in place? I think it'll be, I, I, I do, uh, I, I agree with Tom in that I think he's going to be a end of the first round pickup. Um, I don't think it'll be New England. My money, if I was to put money on it, would be uh, the Saints personally. Um, oh, despite well, like their despite their uh, uh, alleged um, infatuation with uh, Taysom Hill. Um, let's be honest, that's, that's not going to happen long term. Um, I, I, I can fully see a scenario where he's taken and asked to just to sit for a year um, and then let him battle it out with the, uh, the, the, uh, the tight end they're pretending as a quarterback um, next season. I am. Um, I, I can't hate that more. Um, uh, I, I'm not happy I, about it. Quite frankly. No, I know but... you're not as a, as a Falcon <laughs> fan, but I can't hate the idea of the saints doing something like that. When, if they'd won multiple Super Bowls in the last 10 years, I would understand it. And I would understand putting a succession plan in place. But this is a team that has perennially underachieved when it's come to the playoffs. And I think they are in real risk of losing, to some extent, some areas of that locker room if they put a quarterback in place on the basis of a succession plan when they could take potentially a talent to bolster the defense or if a wide receiver slips they could go up and get or even look to bolster their offensive line a little bit further. I just think it would be the most ridiculous pick in terms of what they do because I just don't see things like that being a good plan. And I I know you could argue that Baltimore did something similar, but everybody kind of knew what Joe Flacco was. Drew Brees still has the ability to take this team to the Super Bowl this year Baltimore didn't have that ability in Joe Flacco when they drafted Lamar Jackson. I just, I don't see it. And I think it will be one of those decisions that come the end of next year, if they do it, we might look back and laugh at when they get knocked out of the playoffs again. And somebody who got taken around there is contributing to a playoff team somewhere else and is proven really good. And then there's a lot of pressure on Jordan Love to succeed. I agree. It would, it's, it's an, it's something they should do, but I think there's, I think it's more likely we see them go and get somebody's backup quarterback potentially in the preseason, a bit like they did with Teddy Bridgewater. They identify a guy that they like, like an Andy Dalton, someone like that. It's probably not that guy, but it's going to be someone young with upside more than likely. But I think they they look at it that way. I, I don't know who that guy is yet, but I didn't think it was going to be Teddy Bridgewater. Let's put it that way. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting. And we'll just quickly touch on backup quarterback trades before we get out of here. Um, Two names that straight away come to mind are Andy Dalton and Josh Rosen, two guys that, well, and Andy Dalton, we know he's capable of being a starter and Josh Rosen, we know he potentially has the upside to be a starter if he's coached right, because you don't go in the first round if people don't think you have that upside. Um, Tom, you mentioned the, the Raiders, but mm-hmm. what do you think for them and what do you think for Dalton and Rosen? Do you see either of those two guys moving? And what what is, what is this grand plan you've got for the for the Raiders? I'm really intrigued. Oh, okay. So my grand plan for the Raiders is Josh Rosen. Um, I think Josh Rosen could be got on the cheap. There are people out there that, that haven't given up on him. I know that he's, um, people have questioned his leadership and his love for the game. Um, I think Rosen needs to do a Tannehill in inverted commas. And the best place I can think of for him is Las Vegas behind Carr. Um, just, to, just to sit behind someone whose position isn't secure 
And I think if anyone backs themselves to get a career out of Josh Rosen, it's it's somebody like John Gruden. Um, Andy Dalton is a, is, a, is a very different scenario because at the moment you would have to give up picks for Andy Dalton. And he's going to cost you nearly $18 million next year. Why would you do that when you've got Cam and Jameis Winston in free agency? Now, we don't know what demands they're making in terms of their contract demands. And I imagine interest in those two will will, will peak after the draft if there's a team that, that doesn't get their quarterback of choice. But for me, for Andy Dalton, why would a team give up draft capital for someone who's going to cost them $18 million when you've got two better quarterbacks in free agency? And when there's a chance, he might get cut as well if no one trades for him. There is a, there is a realistic... I, 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 yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the most likely scenario is that there's no market for him and that he does get cut. Which is a shame because I also think he would be a great leadership kind of guy to, to take Joe Burrow into that first year. But also you don't want him being a sulky kind of former starter on the bench when you're trying to launch a new a new kind of system and a new campaign and all that kind of stuff as a team. So um I like the um, Rosen to the to the Raiders. I think there's a lot of teams that could gamble on Rosen if they've got either a settled starter that Rosen could come in behind. But I also think you need to be a team that's going to be willing to go for it. Now, Rosen to the Saints intrigues me. Rosen in a in a Sean Payton system, it would be really interesting to see. But there's a lot of negative things about Rosen's attitude at times, and whether they're true or not, I do think they will scare a lot of teams off. I would like to see Rosen, just for his potential success, go to somewhere like New England or New Orleans, somewhere like that, where he's going to walk into a system that is we know is good for quarterbacks. We know um, we've seen quarterbacks succeed in and not go somewhere where he's potentially going to be on the bench for a year with no plan for a guy that could still be there in a couple of years' time sort of thing in front of him. At least if he went to New England, worst he's competing with Jarrett Stidham and he could win that competition. And we don't know what Jarrett Stidham is, so that that's really interesting. Just 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 for my my own mental health and the balance of the universe, one thing that that the New York Jets will not be able to carry on with is 20 years of headlines of Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen were taken in the same draft class and Darnold was selected over Rosen and look at their careers. Josh Rosen has two Super Bowls in 10 years. Sam Darnold was cut after his fifth year. I cannot even entertain the notion of Rosen going to New England because the rules of the universe say that he will become a success. And I just can't, I can't stand it anymore, Ben. I'm sorry. The Patriots cannot be that good any longer. Okay, I'm not going to mention that again in case Tom... <laughs> Explodes. <laughs> Explodes. <laughs> Um, so just finish with you quickly, Willow, on that. Do you see any of those guys moving? Do you feel the same way about Dalton and Rosen? And any any prediction for where Camel Winston might end up? I certainly feel the same way about Rosen. Um, I don't think you get taken in the top ten uh, of uh, sort of top ten picks and not have something about you, especially when the two teams that you've played for have seemingly um, been trying to lose on purpose. Um, I won't mention it, but I'm absolutely convinced that your um, well-being is going to be in threatened over the next 20 years, Tom. I'm, I'm so sorry to say. Um, in, reg- in regards to uh, Dalton, I, I completely agree uh, with 
your sentiment that it's difficult to justify a move for him when both Winston and Newton are available. Um, and those uh, those markets aren't going to be, um, although those stories aren't going to be tied up until after the draft. So um, I, th- I can, I, I th- if for Andy Dalton, I just think he's going to be cut at some point um, over the uh, over the summer, and somebody's going to probably pick him up on a really cheap deal just to play back up. I think his his career as a star is kind of over, um, unless something drastic happens. But, Absolutely, I I think you're pretty you've pretty much nailed it with those guys. Um, what we could see whether we see Rosen move this weekend or, or post the weekend will be interesting to see but I feel like it could be similar to last year where day two day three someone jumps in and just offers Miami something and they're willing to do it whether whether they would let him go to New England whether Brian Flores is feeling uh, that generous to his old employers will be interesting to see um Right, we're going to get out of here now. Tomorrow is obviously the the big day, the start of the NFL draft. We are going to be back for our final show. Um, It feels like it's gone really fast, and it's also been a really long time at at the same time, if that makes sense. We've had a lot of fun, and we're going to have a lot more fun tomorrow. There will obviously be a load more stories breaking tomorrow, so we are going to um, kind of touch on those. I know um, there will be stuff. We are going to talk some more trades that might be on the table. I'm sure Sai and Alex have their own thoughts on on trades as well as what we've talked about tonight. And then we're also going to have a, a bit of a game trying to predict things. So we'll be a bit of a, a bit of play your draft picks right. So we'll um, I'll present some numbers to Alex and Sai, and I'll ask them whether they think those numbers are too low, too high, or just right and we'll see and I will make a note and we'll see how they do without being too cruel to them because the draft is hard to predict I'll uh, I'll keep them written down and I'll uh, and I'll judge them on it afterwards and uh, make a bit and and we'll crown a winner of who predicted the draft better post draft so that'll be interesting to do before we get out of here willow could you let us know where we can find you and just re-promote your fantastic article from today yeah, sure. Um, I'm on uh, all of the socials, uh, uh, Willow290592. Um, I've just put out the most bizarre NFL draft pick uh, in history. Um, it's a really weird one but because it's it's so Atlanta. It's the most Atlanta Falcons thing you've ever read. Um, God bless them. They, uh, they try their best. And those saints they always find a way to uh, to ruin it for us but it's 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 a long one um, but it was really enjoyable to read and i'm glad that people uh, have resonating with it absolutely it was a lot of fun it was something i knew about but wasn't familiar with all of the bits around it so really interesting to read the kind of pi- bigger picture so thanks for that it was a lot of fun to to look at this morning i spent most of my time just reading it instead of editing it which is always good <laughs> for me um what about you, Tom? You obviously are in the middle of your 10 for 10, so you've got one left tomorrow. So just enlighten us on who it's going to be. I imagine after the Redskins today, this tomorrow's going to be have been the easiest article to write. Um, in some regards, yes. In other ways, trying to write uh, the you know umpteenth article as to why Joe Burrow is the consensus number one pick was presented some difficulties. Um, so spoiler alert, I've decided Joe Burrow should be the number one pick tomorrow night. Um, so yeah, that 10 in 10 concludes tomorrow on Twitter. Look out for it in the morning and find me on Twitter at Down the Manny Road. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. As always, you can find me at Benroll15 on Twitter or at the Touchdown NFL. 
Um, we will have plenty of good stuff for you coming tomorrow. We will be recapping some of the things that we have covered over the last couple of weeks. Check out the Twitter feed, as I'm sure there'll be plenty of articles dropping. We'll be re-promoting some of our uh, fantastic draft stuff over the last few weeks. And then post-draft, we're going to carry on with breaking down this draft and moving on to some fun things looking back over the last season and the last decade in football. So be sure to check that out. Thank you again so much for joining us tonight. And um, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow for the final day of our 2020 NFL Draft Show.